This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. You know, we do our overreaction Monday shows during the football season. And, you know, the football is going to command a lot of the conversation on Monday, and rightfully so, because they're coming off of a jam-packed weekend. And, you know, not just with the two locals, but with the entire slate of NFL games. And it's a lot of talking points for sure there. And... You know, that's the baseball and all the other sports take a back seat sometimes on Monday. So, But today, it's kind of the other way around. Here we are now on Tuesday, and, okay, the football stuff, we'll get to it at some point, including, by the way, Jet fans, stay tuned for this. In the second hour of our show, I did a little bit of a deeper dive into the crazy, miraculous comeback that we all witnessed on Sunday in Cleveland, and I found another new wrinkle that I'm going to share with you, like I said, a little bit later on in the program. We'll get to all the Giants stuff, and not a lot of people are talking about the Giants, maybe not as much as they should for a team that's 2-0 right now, but you know what? That's fine. You're a Giant fan. Hey, who cares? You're winning games, right? That's the most important thing. You're 2-0. You've played two games. You won both games. Who the heck cares about what anybody thinks about the situation right now, whether you're getting talked about or not, but we'll discuss that a little later. And the Mets, congratulations to them. They're in the playoffs. They Checked one box last night. Now the next box to check is going to be, of course, winning the National League East, which you know is going to go down to the wire probably, and in all likelihood is going to be decided on that series in Atlanta when they go next weekend for three against the Braves. You know, Braves don't lose at home, folks. Okay, They've won like nine in a row in their ballpark right now. They're 51-25 and at Truist Park down there. So Mets are going to have their work cut out for them, but they clinched the playoff spot last night. You know they're going to be playing October baseball for the first time in six years. That is step one. And we'll talk about the Mets, of course, a little bit later on. But we got some time to kill because they don't play yet for another 40 minutes or whatever because they're in the central time zone playing the Milwaukee Brewers here. We got to start with the Yankees. And after a day off on Monday, they're back in the mix. Little two-game series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. How about the Buccos at this point? You know, I don't know how you look at it. If you're a member of this Pirates team, you've had a season to forget. You're on your way to, in all probability, losing 100 games. They got 92 losses. They got about like 15 games left. So if they play 500 baseball the rest of the way, they're going to lose 100. So you can't wait for this season to finish. And you just got swept four games by the Mets. And then instead of getting out of town, you got to spend your off day on Monday in New York City, which, look, there's a lot of worse places you can spend an off day, but considering what took place over at City Field, you're probably thinking, all right, I want to get the hell out of here, you know, onto the next series, onto the next challenge, and one step closer to ending what has been a forgettable year for us. But no, now they got to stick around and they got to go play the Yankees for a couple of days, which is going to be a juiced up ballpark. You know, that place is going to be nuts with Aaron Judge and everything associated with him. But apart from the record, You know, Yankees still have some business to take care of. Yankees haven't clinched anything. Yankees still have a division that they're trying to wrap up, and they got a a five-and-a-half game lead on the Toronto Blue Jays, as everybody knows. And the Jays are actually off to a fast start already tonight. They got a 3-0 lead in Philadelphia against the Phillies. So the Jays are not letting up. So the Yanks, important for them to continue to apply the pressure here. But 16 games left for them. After the Pirates, you know, about four with the Red Sox. Coming up this weekend, then they go to Toronto for three games and then back home for Baltimore for three before closing it out with four down in Texas against the Rangers. You got Nestor going on the mound tonight. This is his third start since coming back off the injured list. It's been okay. You know, he hasn't really pitched deep into either game. He's only thrown nine innings so far in those two starts. He's been all right. But 
The big story, I guess, is the fact that, hey, Harrison Bader's back in the mix. I mean, apart from Aaron Judge, of course, as it pertains to tonight's game. See, Harrison Bader for the first time. Harrison Bader was like the Loch Ness Monster. He was only somebody you heard about in, like, legends and tall tales. Who's this Bader guy? All you knew was you traded away Jordan Montgomery to the Cardinals. You got Bader back in return, but you never saw him. You know, he was like a rumor. Well, I heard about this Harrison Bader guy. Well, is he going to play? We ever going to see him in a Yankee uniform and pinstripes actually out there? But no, he was in a walking boot. And the Yankees knew that all too well that he wasn't going to be able to help them right off the bat. And this was a calculated risk that the Yankees and Brian Cashman took at the trade deadline, right? It's no secret. They felt that Harrison Bader and his presence in center field, and look, it goes without saying, defensive runs saved, all the metrics, all the stats that you want to use, how poor the Yankees have been when it came to, and when it's come down to, you know, patrolling center field so far this season. It's been a disgrace. So Bader was going to be more valuable to them in that regard than Jordan Montgomery was going to be down the stretch here during the season as far as getting big timeouts and then into the playoffs. Now, Montgomery's kind of come back to earth a little bit here last two times with the Cardinals, but overall... I still think he's been an excellent acquisition for the Cardinals, and he's pitched probably a lot better than anybody in Yankee land, maybe his foreseen. So it's important for Bader to get out there tonight, and you know what? Hit the ground running, right? I mean, this is no, like, easing a guy back into the lineup. I know he hasn't played since, what, like June or something, but you're in a pennant race, man. You know, a lot is expected of you. You got to go out there, and there's no adjustment period, no working off the rust. What does this mean for the Yankees, though, for the rest of the outfield? Well, Hicks will probably move over to left. Split time there with Cabrera. I guess you could probably also sprinkle in Giancarlo Stanton into one of these corner corner outfield spots, maybe in left field, but he hasn't really played the field much since coming back. I don't think at all. But then Judge goes back to right field, and he doesn't have to man center, which is, of course, less wear and tear on him as he continues this pursuit for the all-important home run record. Aaron Boone was asked today, what are the expectations for Harrison Bader? You know, my expectation is that we're getting a good player um, into our lineup. So really excited about that. I know he's been chomping at the bit for a while. feel like his rehab over the last week has gone really well. Um, you know, he's, he's been able to rack up some at-bats. He feels like he's moving really good. Um, I, I know he's been really encouraged over the last couple of weeks about where he's at and how he's, feel, how he's felt and, like, kind of getting over that hump so um you know just want him to go out and and play his game and and that's you know being being athletic in the center of the field and um you know i think he's uh he's been looking forward to this day he's been looking forward to it i'm sure the yankees have been looking forward to it because you know they've gotten zero returns right now on that trade right where cardinals have been the ones reaping all the rewards and the yankees have gotten nothing to show for it and speaking of another guy that the yankees acquired at the deadline Frankie Montas, well, he's on the IL now. And you're not going to see him maybe for the rest of the regular season. Had an MRI on his shoulder. They didn't think it was anything super serious, but you're talking about a shoulder. You know, there, there are no minor injuries as far as I'm concerned. And especially a guy like Montas who was shut down earlier this season already when he was still a member of the Oakland A's in the summer because of the same type of thing. And needless to say... Montas has been a major disappointment so far for this team since coming over. He has not been what they anticipated. You were expecting a guy who was going to slide in near the top of that rotation with Garrett Cole and hopefully a healthy Luis Severino at some point and form a nice one, two, three. But that hasn't happened. And right now, I, I mean, given the uncertainty 
involving the shoulder. I mean, are you even confident if you're a Yankee fan right now giving Frankie Montas a start in the postseason? I mean, you're going to have to if he's healthy. But, you know, now with this speed bump, I mean, how can you feel good that he's going to be somebody that you can rely upon? Here was Boone about Montas. I mean, he's probably going to be shut down for 10 days and then hopefully ramp him back up at that point. So it's certainly possible. Um, but we'll just see how the recovery goes here over the next week or 10 days. Um, and then we'll see where we are from a calendar standpoint, how many pitches we can get him up to, those kind of things. You know, that's all well and good. But right now, when you look at the Yankees and you look at the starting rotation, how confident can you feel? Right? This was something that the first two, three months of the year, when the Yanks had the best record in baseball, when they were running away at almost like a historic pace, the starting pitching is what was fueling it. Much to the surprise of me and probably a lot of other people around Major League Baseball, the starting pitching was not thought to be a strength of this team. And right now, things have kind of evened out to where you're looking at them and you're saying, well, wait a second. All right, you got Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole can't keep the ball in the ballpark, but apart from that, he, you know, strikes some people out on occasion. But he has a hard time keeping it in the yard. Jamison Tyone really on this stage is someone we have never seen before. You know, Severino is still working his way back. He's going tomorrow. But where is he going to be at by the time October rolls around in another couple of weeks? Like, look at Jacob deGrom. Like, Jacob deGrom right now is somebody who's had, what, six, seven, eight starts under his belt already? And he's been pitching since August. And yet he's only topping out at roughly 100 pitches and is almost a six-inning pitcher. So, like, what can we expect from Severino, who's been out for a pretty long time? And now Montas is a complete question mark. And you got Nestor. So Cole, Nestor, Severino, question mark. Frankie Montas, who the heck knows? Jamison Tyone might be pressed into duty. I mean, Domingo Herman, that's what you're left with right now. And a bullpen that really doesn't inspire a hell of a lot of confidence as far as I'm concerned with this Yankee team. So when we enter the playoffs, they're kind of looking like a club very eerily similar to the one that we've been seeing for the last few years in the playoffs. It's a team that is going to have to rely on its offense. They hit the damn ball out of the ballpark. The starting pitching is a question mark, and I would say there's less certainty this year with the bullpen as there's been in previous seasons. Add all that stuff up. I don't know if I'm booking a parade down the Canyon of Heroes that's going to feature the New York Yankees. Things could change, but as far as I'm concerned, I got a lot of holes right now. A lot of holes. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. We come back. We'll get into the Aaron Judge stuff, the pursuit of history, everything that goes along with it, and and the architect of this Yankee team, Brian Cashman, spoke today. We'll hear his thoughts on the makeup of his club with just a couple of weeks left in this regular season. We'll get to all the football as well a little bit later on and all the Mets stuff as they are officially headed to the postseason. Dan Gross' show on a jam-packed Tuesday. Where else would you rather be? 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Judge has one at bat under his belt. Ground out to shortstop. Not a little 6-3 in your scorecard, so the chase for history is going to have to continue. And look, Judge is obviously the story here. If you're a Yankee fan. And and if you're a fan, I think it's the best of both worlds, to be quite honest with you. It really and truly is because you have an individual's quest at something pretty special, right? Something that's never been done in the history of the American League. When you're thinking about Babe Ruth and Roger Maris being the only two human beings who have ever hit more home runs in a single season than Aaron Judge, I think that's pretty special, one. And number two, you also have a Yankee team that's still trying to seal the deal in terms of getting to the postseason. So, like, you look at it from both ways. You don't want to take individual accomplishments and put them over the team accomplishments, but you can almost do both here because one helps the other. And that's why these last couple of weeks are going to be fun, I think, if you're a Yankee fan. He's at 59. He's on a pace for 65. Maris only had 56 home runs through 146 team games. So, Judge is three ahead of him at this point in the season. And I was mentioning to Don and Peter when I was on with them at the end of the K-Show, what's funny about it, and I had never really dove into this too much this year, right? It's all just kind of like been along for the ride and, you know, whatever happens, happens. But a lot of people criticize Judge, the Yankees. You know, they like to take cheap shots at them. You know, cheap Yankee Stadium home runs, the short porch at right field. It's easy to hit the ball at a Yankee Stadium, the BAM box and all of those things. You look at his splits this year. They are, like, right down the middle, like damn near identical. Played the same amount of games home and away. He's got 29 home runs at home. He's got 30 of them on the road. He's got 68 RBIs on the road, 59 at home. So he's actually been better on the road driving in runs. Batting average, 317 on the road, 316 at home. Identical. OPS, 1092 at Yankee Stadium, 1148 on the road. So anybody that's still to this day, still at this point of the season, wants to throw that in your face about Aaron Judge, that he's doing it at Yankee Stadium, and they're not legitimate, and they're not real home runs, and it's easy to hit there, and all he's got to do is stick the bat out, and it goes over the fence at right field. Guess what? There's your proof. There are your numbers right there. He's actually been more successful this season away from Yankee Stadium than he's been at home. That should end all debate. That should end all arguments right there. And it's not even just the quest for Maris and that quest for history. You're talking about a guy right now who still has a legitimate chance of winning a Triple Crown. And can you imagine not only in the season where he's – look, he's going to break the record. question is when, right? He's going to break the record. But you do that and also potentially cap it off with a triple crown. And I know Miggy Cabrera did it like 10 years ago. So it isn't really, really a novelty. It's not like when Miggy did it because Yaz, Carl Yastrzemski, once upon a time, you know, decades ago, was the last one to do it in the American League. But it's still pretty rare. Think of how many great players that have ever stepped foot in, on a Major League Baseball field have never hit a tr- for the Triple Crown in a season, and this is what Aaron Judge is on the precipice of doing. Enters the night at 316. Xander Bogarts of the Red Sox is 316. Luis Arise of the Twins, 317. He's a point away. A point away. 
He's already got the home run in the RBI categories locked up. Those are sewn away. But if he could do that, I mean, and there's still people. There are still people out there. You know who you are. Maybe not so much in this city, but they exist. That are actually going to sit there and try to convince you that Shohei Otani is the MVP of the league. I mean, is that even is that even up for discussion right now? If, if you are a, me- a member of the media and you have a vote for American League MVP this year, how have you not cast your ballot already? Like, what are you waiting to see? I know you have until the end of the season, but what are you waiting to see? The guy has it locked up already. Has it locked up? Like, there's no debate. There's no we sit here and try to spin it a different way. Aaron Judge is the MVP of the American League. Lock it up. Exactly. I don't have a vote, but if I had a vote, you know what? I would have probably cast it already. I don't know if they do, like, electronic ballots or if it's, like, a paper ballot, old school. But if it was a paper ballot, guess what? Mine would be sealed, stamped, and it would be in the mail already. Done. What am I waiting for? And I know that in this quest, there is some intrigue about when is it going to happen and how are you going to see it and who's going to be on the call. I know the guys have talked about it a lot in the afternoon, and, you know, look, it directly impacts Michael because he calls the games on TV. I'm sure he would love to be behind the mic when Judge hits the record-breaking home run, but he may not. You know, they can't coordinate that. They can't plan it. They can't say to Judge, hey, you know what, don't hit any home runs in these national TV games. We want it to be when Yes is doing the game. That's that's not possible. Now the Yankees could sit him and not play him, but that's not going to happen either. Yankees are trying to win a division. Trying to win as many games as possible. Judge needs to be in the lineup. So tonight and tomorrow are on, yes. But then when you get to Thursday, that's a national TV game on Fox. And my pal Adam Amin is going to be behind the mic. And he does an outstanding job. But he's not the Yankee announcer. Right? But if it is going to be him on the call, he's going to do a fantastic job because he's a pro. And then on Friday, you got Apple TV+. And that probably reaches even less people than certainly what Fox does. Maybe even less than what Amazon Prime does and Prime Video if you're a Yankee fan because you signed up to watch all those Yankee games generally on Fridays all throughout the season. And it's not like the Yankees or the Mets haven't been on Apple TV Plus all season long. They have been on a couple of occasions. But it just so happens that this one on Friday could be history and could be a record breaker. Now, MLB Network already said that they're going to be showing all of judges at bats And they're going to be jumping in whenever they have an opportunity for those that don't have the Apple TV. I get it's a matter of convenience. All right, because I'm right there with you. It's not even so much a question of dollars and cents because signing up for Apple TV is free. But it's a pain in the you-know-what, having to log in, and God forbid, like whatever device you're using, forgot your login credentials, and it wants you to put them in again, and you can't remember what your password is, and you can't remember this, and it's not taking this, and having to sync it up with your smart TV, if that is an option for you. I get it. But I hate to also be the bearer of bad news. This is the way of the world. You know, like we're already in like full transition mode to this new way of consuming games and consuming content. That's the way things are right now. So if you haven't gotten on board already, I suggest that, you know what, you start to make that transition. You already see it with the NFL. Last Thursday, we had the first game on Amazon Prime Video, and it's going to be like that for the rest of the season. So if you want to watch football on Thursdays, guess what? Get on board. No different than if you want to watch your Yankees on Friday. Get on board. We've talked about it already. Last year or next year, 
when the Sunday ticket package has expired and the deal has expired with DirecTV, in all probability, that's going to end up on a streaming service. So if you're one of those fans that likes to watch all the out-of-town games, it's going to be somewhere. It's going to be either Apple, it's going to be either Amazon, or it's going to be maybe even ESPN+. Plus. Who knows? But that is how you're going to have to watch games in all probability moving forward. And by the way, I don't know how many of you are loyal DirecTV Sunday ticket customers, or maybe not even DirecTV, but just Sunday ticket customers. I guess that there has been a whale of a time trying to get the feature and trying to get the service so far here this season. There was like mass hysteria last Sunday that I was seeing from people that were trying to stream the Sunday ticket and watch some of these games that it wasn't working for them. And there was malfunctions left and right. And I guess people that tried to reach out to customer service there on DirecTV, they were getting little to no help. Because you can understand the – I don't think that's personally a good way to conduct business. But if it is, shame on them. But you can imagine the folks there at DirecTV where they're probably thinking to themselves, well, you know what? We know that we're not going to be the home for Sunday ticket after this year. Why the hell should we care if it's not working for people? They're going to leave anyway at the end of the season. Like, we've we've washed our hands when it comes to the Sunday ticket. We're finished. Done. But how many people are, like, going to give up DirecTV, period, like, once the football season is over and switch to another provider or whether it's cable or just streaming or, or whatever it is or how you consume television? I don't know. But that's not right. You shouldn't be having this many problems. I mean, you've had the whole year, the whole year, To make sure you were ready for September, ready for the NFL season, and it's one day a week. Sundays. One lousy day a week. So how are you having all of these issues? You know, do a test run in July. Do one in August. You know, make sure it all works out. Not once September and the NFL season arrives and this thing isn't working. Now I'm doing the Jets games, of course, on Sunday. So I'm, you know, I have it on my TV at home, but I don't know the problems that everybody else is having because I'm concentrating on one game and one game only on Sunday afternoons. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. I'm curious, though, for people, like, what is, you know, what is the biggest problem, in your opinion, right? Like, what is the issue when it comes to some of these other games? When it comes to... These games on the streaming service or these games, you know, on na- if it's national TV, it's easy. I mean, we've all been watching games on Fox, ESPN, or what, and the game on Sunday night is on ESPN, I should mention, too. Sunday night baseball. So that's also a possibility. But what's the biggest issue that you have with it? To me, it's, you know, it's the way of the world. I'm not going to lose too much sleep over it, to be quite honest with you. And you know what's funny about the whole thing? Football is the most popular sport in the country. Is it not? And yet, when it comes to football, teams don't have regular television announcers. you got radio announcers, just like baseball teams do. But when it comes to, like, you put on the TV to watch your team, whether it's the Jets, the Giants, or whoever on Sunday, you get a different announcer each and every week. And more often than not, it's going to be someone that probably has not been watching a lot of your team's games all season long. So think about the hypocrisy there. Right? It's the NFL. It always attracts the most eyeballs. And you're going to get two announcers that get their game assignment at the beginning of the week. They find out, oh, okay, I'm calling, you know, Jets-Bengals, for example. 
Now let me go to school on the Jets. Let me watch film. Let me go watch maybe the first couple of games and read up on them. And the same thing with the other team. And, you know, when I get on the air on Sunday and the cameras are on, I'm going to sound like I'm Mr. Expert when it comes to that team. But that's the way the NFL works. And nobody is any worse for the wear because of it. If you find it irritating, if you don't like it, you know what you do? You turn the TV down and you turn on the radio. If it's the Jets, you listen to us, Bob and Marty, me and Greg. And if it's the Giants, you listen to those games on the radio or whatever it is. But nobody has a problem with it when it comes to the NFL. But yet with baseball, for example, when they're not doing the game, it's, oh, the regular announcers aren't doing the game. Oh, I can't deal with it. It's the worst thing in the world. But you live it in football, right? That's what every Sunday is. That's what every week is. 800-919-3776. We'll hear from Brian Cashman when we come back. Plus, also get into the Mets, who are playoff bound officially. But they're not stopping now. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. Uh, By the way, programming reminder, on Monday... We're taking this baby on the road. We will be broadcasting live from Resorts World Casino in Queens. So we look forward to that. 7 p.m. on Monday. What is that? The 26th. So Monday the 26th, 7 to 10, doing our full show. Giants are playing on Monday Night Football against the Cowboys. So it should be a fun time. So if you're in their neighborhood, swing by. We'll have, you know, giveaways, prizes, all that good stuff. So Monday night, 7 p.m., Resorts World Casino. In Queens, you, me, all of us doing a, uh, a live broadcast. And also even closer to that, on Thursday, so that is two days from now, no show again at night. We're going to be on again earlier in the day in for Greeny from 10A to noon. So that's coming up on Thursday. But we'll be here uh, normal time for you tomorrow night. And we're going to remind you again, just so you know exactly what end is up when it comes to all these changes and so on and so forth here. Pirates and Yanks scoreless in the second inning. Judge 0 for 1 so far tonight. Mets are going to get underway here in just a few minutes in Milwaukee. Middle game of three against the Brew Crew. And congratulations to the Mets. Seriously, congratulations, right? They're in the playoffs. That doesn't happen every year. I don't think I'm breaking any news to a Met fan, a non-Met fan. Okay, that doesn't happen with any sort of regularity or frequency. But they got 13 more games to go. They've won five in a row, and you kind of like the way things are trending right now. And when you look at this schedule they have remaining, the two more in Milwaukee, then they go to Oakland for three, which, you know, you're going to have Bassett, Scherzer, and DeGrom pitching the three games in Oakland against one of the worst teams in baseball. They should not only sweep that series, they should get credit for like an extra win. That's how convincing those games should be when they go to the Coliseum out there. There's going to be about five people in the stands. Four of them are going to be Met fans. There should be no excuse for them not to roll right over what is just a hapless operation out there with the Oakland Athletics. Then two back at City Field against Miami, three in Atlanta against the Braves, and that one's going to be for all the marbles, you know that, and then three against the Nationals at home to close out the season. Braves close out in Miami against the Marlins to end the season while the Mets are going to be home for those three against the Nets. And last night, what you got in Milwaukee, I actually liked it. And I thought it was appropriate. You got a subdued celebration, right? You really haven't won anything yet. You haven't accomplished anything. You're just going to the playoffs. 
And I know that historically it's a big achievement because you're talking about a franchise that's only made the playoffs, what, 10 times? Think about that for a second. You know, you spread it out over 60 years, 10 playoff appearances, which equates to about like once every six years you've made the playoffs since you were born. That's not great, right? Not great at all. And when you talk about just like the last 20 years, it hadn't happened all that often, right? 2006, 2015, 2016. So three times in the last 20 years until now. So it's something that should be celebrated. And I do agree that the way they approached it, you know, let loose when you get that next one, which would be the National League East division title, if you get it. That's when you could pop the champagne. That's when you could go crazy and, and all those things. But they got a fight on their hands. Atlanta's not going away. It's a one-game lead, and you know that it is going to come down in all probability to that series. And the Braves don't lose at home. They've won nine in a row in their ballpark. Nine in a row. I know they lost Ozzie Albies again to an injury, but, I mean, come on. If any team can compensate for that and to make up for guys who were out of the lineup, it's the Atlanta Braves. They've been making a living of that over the last two seasons. And the guy who's taken Ozzie Albee's spot in Vaughn Grissom, I mean, that dude is already somebody that is probably going to be a pain in the neck that Met fans are going to have to deal with for quite some time. The Braves are loaded in that organization, top to bottom, with young talent. But last night was great, and Steve Cohen, the owner who clearly has had a large doing in transforming the entire culture of this organization, said that, there's going to be bigger things to celebrate in the future. Well, I think it was a modest celebration. And, and um, you know, like I said, it's a first step. And, um, and, you know, when we go further, there'll be bigger celebrations. And I think that's the way it should. And he says that this is a special group of guys. This team's been tenacious. They never gave up the whole year. I mean, this is a special group of guys. You know, they, they, they love each other. They, they play. Um, they're, they're a team that enjoys playing together. And you can see it. They've been consistent all year. And uh, the results speak for themselves. So I, I, I'm so excited for them. And for the fans, too. You know, you look at a lot of changes with this Mets team from last year to this year, right? Like, what's different? Apart from, you know, the obvious, the wins but a new manager. And congratulations to Buck, by the way, fourth different team he's taken to the playoffs. The only manager in baseball that is in baseball history that has taken more different franchises to the postseason than Buck is Dusty Baker. Dusty's taken five to the playoffs. Buck has now taken four. Um, how about the turnaround of Francisco Lindor? I was as hard on Lindor as anybody last year. Destroying the Mets for giving him that contract. His play was less than inspiring. The off-the-field stuff with the thumbs down to the fans and, you know, joining forces with Javi Baez. And, my God, thank goodness they got rid of him and let him sign with the Tigers. What a disaster that would have been. I don't know if the Mets are in first place right now if Javi Baez is back on this team. Think of how many other things have changed. But give credit where credit's due. Lindor has been excellent this year. Not good, excellent. You're talking about a guy who's having a career year, right? Well, close to a career year. But he's driven in more runs than he's ever driven in a season before. He's going to finish with over 100 RBIs. He's probably going to hit upwards of 25 or more home runs. He'll bat somewhere, you know, 265, 270. Played a good shortstop in the field. And you know what? More often than not, has taken the field almost every single day for you. 
This team has played 149 games this year. Lindor's played in all but one of them. He's been durable. So I know you still got a long time on that contract still. And when it's all said and done, it's probably going to look like a horrible contract because it's a lot of money, and there's probably going to be diminishing returns on that once you get to year eight, year nine, and maybe even earlier than that. Who knows? But for the time being, he's been one of the driving forces behind this turnaround and a big part of the culture in this team. He talked to SNY, SNY last night about clinching that playoff berth. First of all, God is good. I'm extremely proud of everyone, the boys, everyone that contributed this year with the guys that were up and down. It's just, I came here to try to be in the postseason and try to win championships. And this is the first step. Last year, we were out of it right here. And we saw them celebrate and to come back today and to clinch a spot. We understand this is not the end goal, but it's part of our destiny. And to, to be in the postseason, you got you to gotta make it. Um, so I'm, I'm just blessed. Uh, I, th I thank the good Lord and my team. I'm extremely proud of my teammates and the front office. Pete Alonso talked about what's different about this year's team. I mean, our chemistry is, is unparalleled. We have a really great group of guys, and uh, it's, it's just really special um, how much we care about each other and how well we work together. I feel like we had talent. But I feel like that the personnel we have complements each other in the best in the best way. So we're able to go out there compete. Doesn't always have to look pretty, but we, we do a really good really good job of competing night in and night out. And uh, yeah, this is what it's all for. It's what it's all about. Alonzo's another guy who's had a little bit of a turnaround this year. You know, for the right reasons. Um, he was an easy guy to attack last year because he tried to. You know what the problem with the Mets last year was? They didn't have any direction. They didn't have any leadership. They thought they had leadership, but they didn't. You know, and he would try to act as the mouthpiece, the team spokesman. And sometimes he ended up kind of putting his foot in his mouth. Like the one that stands out to me was that series, you know, late in August or whatever it was where they got swept in Philadelphia by the Phillies. And this, you know, descent down the National League East standings, it was continuing. And then you had, you know, Alonzo after that series sweep go out there and tell the media, you know, relax. Basically trying to pull an Aaron Rodgers. Like, relax. We know what we're doing. We got this. Like, what do you mean we got this? You know, and at the time, you're saying to yourself, well, you, you've never won anything. Guys in that clubhouse have never won anything. The leaders on that team or, or, or the guys that were perceived to be the leaders. So how do we know you got this? If you got this, you wouldn't have been falling down the NL East like you had after the All-Star break and when Jacob DeGrom got hurt. And, of course, it didn't stop, and it was a train wreck, and the wheels came off and all the changes that ensued. But you know what? If, two, if 2021 doesn't finish the way it did, maybe 2022 doesn't happen, right? Maybe it's a blessing in disguise that they realized they had to go out there, make changes, and that led to this season, which has a chance to still be pretty darn special. Does it not? 800-919-3776, telephone number. We come back, though. We know this team is only going to go as far as that frontline starting pitching takes them. And is there an area of concern with one of their co-aces? We'll get into all that. Plus, you'll hear from Max Scherzer last night helping pitch the Mets to the postseason. We'll get into the football coming up at 8 o'clock. Dan Grass's show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. World Series odds, the latest from BetMGM. Dodgers at plus 325. Astros plus 400. And the Mets are plus 500. Yankees right behind them at plus 550. So they have the Mets third and fourth best right now 
to take home the top prize in Major League Baseball. They don't think that either one of them are going to go to the World Series. They still bet on a Dodgers-Astros. Boy, that would be something, huh? Rematch from 2017. But they have Dodgers-Strows. But who's to say that can't change? And then they they have the Braves at plus 800. Really? I mean, the Braves that much further behind than the Mets? They're like neck and neck. I think, you're asking, I think the Braves are a better team than the Yankees. I really and truly do. So how are the Braves plus 550 or the Yankees plus 550 and the Braves are plus 800? The only thing it tells me is that the National League is more top-heavy than the American League, and they think that it's going to be more of a struggle for any one of those teams to maybe make it out and get to a World Series. Because, I I mean, we could sit here and start rattling off, like, the top teams in baseball. Mets, Dodgers, Braves, those are three of the top five. Easy. Maybe three of the top four. Maybe three of the top four. As a matter of fact, you know what? Right now, I'll tell you three of the top four. In my opinion. Dodgers, Mets, Braves, Astros. Order them any which way you want. Those are the four best teams in the sport. 800-919-3776. Will in Jersey City. Up next, Dan Grosser Show, 98.7. What's up, Will? Hey, good evening, guys. What's up, Will? Um, Just two things. Um, The first question is, uh, why, why didn't you think that the Mets would probably be where they at right now if they had Javi Baez knowing his resume and put him in perspective that he is having a bad year. But despite that issue he had last year, um, Baez is actually really good with the fans, especially with kids when you go to these parks. But as a player, I like him. Um, just wanted to know your take on why didn't you think that he's that type of player that would have made an impact on this team. And then the last question I'm going to leave you with mm-hmm. is what's more important? Arbor Pujols, 700, or um, Aaron Judge, 62 home runs to Major League Baseball? Well, well let me ask Thank you a question. You're, you're a baseball fan. What's more important to you, you think, the Pujols record or the Judge record? Well, listen, I listen to Michael K. a lot and Don LaGreca, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they mentioned the whole thing with, you know, uh, the 73 with Barry Bonds, potentially the whole, you know, the whole steroids and that whole era and that, all that other stuff. In my personal opinion... I feel that the 700 club is an elusive club. I agree. Uh, 73 would be great, but the 700 club is an elusive club. It's like asking someone, would you rather be in the 4,000 hit club um, along with Pete Rose and um, the other guy that's uh, in there, I can't think of the name right now, or would you rather get the all-time hits leader and and be ahead of Ichiro? The question is 4,000 hit club, right? Right. But I Him and Ty Cobb you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, I I think that 700 number is kind of rarefied air too, Will. I I really and truly do. And I understand. Thank you for the phone call. And I understand that there's always going to be this kind of skepticism associated with anybody, anybody when they hit a lot of home runs, Pujols included. I mean, Pujols has already had accusations throughout his career. You know, people insinuating that maybe he's not doing it legitimately. And I don't have any foundation or leg to stand on as far as that's concerned. As far as I'm concerned, he's his whole career has been legitimate, right? And that is super special because when you look at Pujols and what he's about to do, and he's going to do it, right? He only needs two more. And by the way, the Cardinals are out on the West Coast right now. Padres and then the Dodgers. They're going to face lefties four of the next six games. I don't know if he's going to be in the lineup tonight because they're facing a righty, but Snell is pitching against them tomorrow. So four out of the next six, it's a left-handed starting pitcher. Pujols is going to be in the lineup. He's going to have a chance. He's going to do it. You look at the names directly ahead of him. Ruth. Aaron, and yeah, Barry Bonds is there. But that is like rarefied air. And I know what Judge is doing this season is extremely rare as well because nobody in the history of the American League 
has hit more than 61 home runs, which is kind of hard to believe, right? That all the others that have been, you know, assaulting the record books, whether it was, you know, McGuire, Sosa, and then Bonds, like that was all National League stuff. So, yeah, the American League, which has been around for over a century, and nobody has done potentially what Aaron Judge is about to do here over the next couple of weeks, you look at that and you say, yeah, that's pretty damn special also. It depends on what you value more. Like, if you're a Yankee fan, you're going to look at the Aaron Judge and you're going to say, that means more to me. Because I think that it's super special that the guy who is ultimately going to break Roger Maris's record is also a fellow Yankee. Right? So it's like, counts for double. But I think they're still both pretty darn special and they're unique to baseball. And I think they both should be celebrated too. As far as Javier Baez, what I said, because you know what? First of all, Javier Baez is having a horrible year for the Tigers. Horrible. And it's not like he's done anything this year to help turn that program around. And I actually thought the Tigers were going to be better this year. You know, don't tell anybody, but once upon a time, back at the beginning of the season, when we do our picks, I picked the Tigers to make the playoffs as a wild card. I know that that's a horrible pick. Okay? But I actually thought that, yeah, I know. And I'll tell you, you know what? I know we're just a couple of weeks in. But right now, I'm starting to get that vibe with one of my NFL playoff picks this year, too. Namely, the Denver Broncos. Because they got a head coach right now. Who doesn't know is you-know-what from his you-know-what? They got a 200-whatever-million-dollar quarterback in Russell Wilson. They get the ball at the two-yard line on multiple occasions and can't punch it into the end zone, and he's calling pass plays. And he doesn't know, you know, how, how far is too far of a field goal attempt and doesn't know how to manage the clock. I mean, enough is enough with the Broncos. All I know is that when the Jets got to go out there, you know what? That looks like more of a winnable game than it did maybe uh, a couple of weeks ago. That's all I know. But no, Javi, look, the other thing with Baez, I don't know how much he's making off the top of my head and what he signed for in Detroit, but everybody has limits, even Steve Cohen. And who's to say that if they signed Javier Baez, that they then would have taken the money they gave to him and been able to invest it with some of the other new acquisitions that they've brought in, whoever that might be. You just never know, because right now, the sum is greater than the individual parts with the New York Mets. They've been that way all season long, and they got really, really good players, right? The pitchers, a couple of them are really great. Diaz, great. Position players, great. But in unison, that's how you get the 94-95 wins or wherever they're at right now. And it's worked to perfection. It really has. And Scherzer was brilliant last night. Brilliant. You know, we were on the air. We were walking you through it as it was happening. There really wasn't any surprise. You knew that he wasn't going to have a chance to finish off the perfect game. You knew it, right? Six innings, domination. You got him out of there, but it's all about the big picture. Making sure that he is healthy and ready to go and pitch deep into a game once October rolls around. And what did Max think about clinching that spot? This is what you play the game for. You play the game in the postseason. The fact that we got here, there's a lot of ways for it not to work out. Uh, the fi- for us to be able to find a way to get our way into the postseason, that's awesome. That's what we celebrate. That's what you play the game for. But like you said, we have a lot of things in front of us, and we understand that. But, man, you got to celebrate the good times, too. You do. And if you're a Met fan, you know what? You haven't had a lot to celebrate over 60 years. Embrace this and enjoy the journey and see where it's going to take you over the next month. You hope that in a month from now, on the 20th of October, you're still playing baseball. Because I actually don't even think the World Series is starting by October 20th. I think it starts like, I don't know, 22nd, 3rd, something like that. Because it goes into, I know that if the World Series goes seven games, it's like November 4th or 5th or something like that. 
So the World Series probably isn't even underway yet by this time a month from now, which is kind of weird to think about. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>